Let's watch a Disney Channel movie. I, that could still be copyrighted. I hope not, though. That 30 seconds is not going to be copyrighted. Wasn't even that. It was less than 10. So. Really? Listen. That movie bored you so much? I don't know. About or is it your devastating avalanche game that you were watching? It's certainly not devastating. It's a one goal game. Um, at the time of this recording, anyway. The movie in question this evening is Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. 21st Century. Okay. Bill Clinton's daughter is president. Chelsea Clinton, who would go on to not be president thus far. Well, this was set in 2049, so she's still got time. All right. So we're in a space station. Uh, and we open on the titular character Xenon, uh, who is 13? Yes, 13? she is 13. She's 13 years old? She is my uh, icon <laughs> at 13. Okay, so we start the movie with her being woken up by an alarm clock that has her own face on it, just to really lock in that she is pretentious and self-centered. Hey! Hey, what? No! Yeah! No! Yeah! No! Yeah! Would what? you would you own an alarm clock that you record your alarm for the night before? She even says in the recording this seemed a lot funnier last night. Well, yeah, the whole gag is great, but but that's such a terrible, terrible thing. I mean, it's kind of nice. It's motivational. She wakes up and tells her that she looks good and. Don't forget, you've got that test today, and it's it's a solid plan. She then snoozes this alarm of her own face multiple times, like lots of snoozing, because she's going to be late for the next 10 minutes of runtime. Uh, I don't even really know what goes on. From there until she gets to class, all I know is she makes a comment, a very, uh, not, it's a Disney Channel movie, so it's PG, but it's a very derogatory comment about people who have to live on Earth. Oh, she says, um... At least we don't have to live down there. Yeah, she's like, I know this, like, sucks, but at least you don't live down there. And there's a shot of Earth, and I, I said, wow, we put classism against the Earth people. Okay. Oh, uh, sorry. Classism against the planet people. The planet people. Because it's not just like a country down there. The whole planet's down there. Classism against the planet people. She doesn't like Earth. I don't like Earth. I live here and I don't want to be here. That's fair. She doesn't like Earth and she barely recalls ever being there before. And that's wrong. To be fair, her mother has only told her horror stories. Right. We'll get to how bad her parents are in general later. Okay. Uh, the wardrobe, so 1999. I love it. It's iconic, and I want to still dress like that. It's an unending cavalcade of the brightest neon colors on top of the darkest purples and blacks, and all of its pleather, and all of its shiny, and some of its sparkles, and all of it reeks of 1999. I say I would like to wear all of that, but, uh... This girl dresses in all, all black, like, a lot of the time. 
So maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> um, so... If I was cool, if I looked like Xenon, I would dress like that. The whole sequence of her running, like rushing to get to class is punctuated by just a series of minor inconveniences on the way, uh, which she would not have run into if she had just gotten up with her alarm that she so carefully set for herself. Uh, and and she's running through, and she has to climb through a maintenance hatch, and, and you get all the vibes that there are some people who think that she's just sort of a fun little, like, like a little sibling vibe that she gives off to some people who, like, help her out by giving her, like, a protein bar. Um, and everyone else thinks Xenon is just terribly annoying. Uh, no one is happy that she is sprinting through the halls. She bothers everyone she runs into. Everyone has to, like, dive out of the way. She just reeks of main character energy. Xenon does reek of main character energy. She, she's the, the bad version of Gryffindor. Um, she is a Gryffindor. Oh, Xenon yeah. would 100% oh, yeah. be a Gryffindor. For sure. Uh, and there is a point in time where she's running, and she just keeps running with her arms flopping above her head for no reason. Like, she'll run, and then she'll just, like, do this a little bit, where she just, like, is like an inflatable card salesman. What are you talking about? Like, it happened, like, three times, and it's always right at the end of a cut, or, like, right at the end of a clip. Is it, like, an exasperated, like... No, because it's usually <laughs> after she's gotten past an obstacle, and she's racing off, and then she gets to the... the right before the cut to the next shot of her running, she's going... With her arms up in the air, and I was like, could you stop? You're fucking wasting energy. And it seems like you need it, because you don't sleep at night. Um, uh, I just have a lot of notes about how Xenon seems like she sucks and everyone hates her. Uh, uh, she's late to class, which is very funny. Although, although is she's she really late really to class? She's not really late to class, because the teacher's really. not there yet. Yeah, the teacher, who is a hologram, is not there when she gets there. But all the other students are there, and they're all seated. And so she gets there, the lecture starts, and approximately 24 seconds into this lecture, Xenon tunes out, turns the radio on, and starts watching TV. Yeah. In class. While Raven Simone's over here being a good student. Raven and, is a Ravenclaw. And you've got other students being good students. And or then, a Hufflepuff. And then Xenon sees an announcement that her favorite boy band is coming to the, the space station, and she has an out loud squee moment, uh, which many Taylor Swift fans could relate to if Taylor Swift ever came to their city. Or it was the uh, 90s, so let's be real, that was like... In sync or NSYNC. whatever. It, he, Protozoa gives off Justin Timberlake vibes if Justin Timberlake was mashed with, like, Austin Powers. Yeah. So... A boy band's coming to the space station. That's the big announcement. That'll come into play later. Uh, and I, you know what? I will give Disney Channel movies this. Under no circumstances is there a wasted moment in a Disney Channel movie. They don't have time. They, they got do 90 not, minutes. They do not have time in Disney Channel original movies to waste or to linger or to let a moment breathe. It is full throttle, all the time, everything matters. So if you want to follow along with the plot of a Disney Channel movie, you have to be keyed in. 
Otherwise, you're going to miss stuff. And you only got 90 minutes to tell a story. Uh, yeah, you really got to lock it in there. Um, so she makes her squeeze out. The teacher asks if she has something to share, and she bullshits a little bit and gets away with it, rolls a nat 19 on the charisma modifier there. I will say Xenon, for the most part, has really good charisma. I'm going to say she has really good luck. Maybe. I don't know about good charisma. She seems to just F it with every single person she comes across that isn't her friends. True, true, true. She bombs every social interaction. Yeah. Which is grade A main character Gryffindor energy. Yeah. You know who doesn't have main character Gryffindor energy? Harry Potter. Harry Potter does not want to be the main character. Book Harry. Book Harry has main character Gryffindor oh. energy. All right, but I've only watched the movies, so... When he goes, there's no need to call me s Sir Professor. Listen, that, yes, that is very main character, but the Gryffindor class would like to vote Xenon out um, for being a pretentious shit. I mean, either Fred and George are in there. I don't think they can... Fred and George are worse than Xenon, in my opinion. Uh... So the boy band causes quite a stir, and then class is over, and everyone fucks off. And I'm very confused about, did they only have one class? I think if and they... And was it approximately a ten-minute lecture about history? I think they just zoomed forward. Or actually, they go to lunch, so it might have been, like, history class. It might be, like, a block schedule, so history class was in the morning for a few hours. And then they go to lunch, and then they'll go in the afternoon to another class for, like, a few hours. And then on also, the... is there such a thing as morning on a space station when you are just rotating Earth? I mean, they still have like a schedule. They still have time. There's just not like light to dictate that. So, which is something uh, I'll wait till we get to Earth. But that's something I just thought about. Her eyes would not be well adjusted to that brightness. No, at all. Because no. it's. It's major dark yeah. on the space station. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the captain of the space station uh, gets up during everyone's mandatory lunch break and gives a small speech uh, in which he announces that the benefactor of the space station is coming aboard to see how things are, I guess. Uh, and so they need everything to be in great shape. Uh, because and they throughout need the speech, not a fucking soul of this group of scientists and children understand the social etiquette of speeches as they frequently interrupt him with non sequiturs that do not matter. Uh, which really just goes to show you that they do, in fact, have just a bunch of fucking nerds up there who it's don't also, understand the rules. It's also more like a public forum, I feel like. Like, I don't feel like they have, like, formalized time. I suppose. Uh, so there's just a bunch of foreshadowing that Xenon is ultimately going to cause a problem. There's Xenon causes a lot of problems. And that is going to lead to more problems. Um, it's just it's just super heavy. Ooh, it's super heavy how late on it is with how much of the issues she's going to cause. Uh, also, they just speak in space pun lingo. Zetus Lapidus. That's not real. Stellar. That That is real. Zetus Lapidus, that's a phrase that is uttered a million times in this movie, and I don't know what it means, nor is it even remotely related to any words in the English language. They say major a lot. 
Well, major and minor is the space station lingo for big or small. Yes. And then on Earth, they have a separate variety of lingo that is akin to the space lingo, but different. They use different terms. And I can't tell you what they are right no, now. No, because guess what? They super don't fucking matter. Uh, now, we need, we need to get one thing straight. The parents of Xenon are bad parents. They're not bad people. They're not even stupid people. They're really smart people. They're very specifically smart people. They're nerds. They're such fucking bad parents. They're pinnacle, like, 1990s parents. Oh, yeah. Mom's a hard ass. Dad's fun and is the happy-go-lucky parent. They're both still super smart, though, so at least they both have jobs. And when things go wrong, Xenon looks to Dad for support, and when it really goes wrong, she doesn't get it. The problem here is that there is absolutely no consequence that has ever once ever been introduced to Xenon ever in her whole entire life. I think she's been grounded before, like, not like in this movie, but I think she's been, like, stereotypical grounded. Oh, it's super worked. Boy, howdy. It definitely Did it work on effect. you, James? Uh, no, nothing worked on me. Precisely. Maybe you're Zena. It's the fucking Gryffindors. Well, here's the thing is I wasn't a fucking rabble rouser. I was really specifically there to make sure my siblings didn't get fucking wrecked. It's all um, you fucking Gryffindors. It's all the Gryffindors. Look at that. Listen, Xenon didn't have a sibling to look after. She just ended up being a menace by herself. Um, so the the parents are just so bad. They they don't listen. They don't acknowledge any merit to their children's words, their child's words. They don't care what she has to say at any point in the movie. And moreover, any sort of authoritarian hold that they imagine they have over Xenon is simply not real. They they are merely friends that she runs into at her home. Okay, question. Who's the better parent? Because you've seen at least two DCOMs that I've made you watch. Okay. Uh... Marnie's mom, Gwen, Gwen Cromwell, or Xenon's parents, whose names I couldn't remember if you paid me $1,000. I don't remember a fucking thing about Halloween Town. I It's not because it was bad or uninteresting, but what I remember about Halloween Town is what I remember about Halloween Town 2, in that there's a lot of songs and the prosthetics are really impressive. There, There are no songs. There's a lot of songs in Halloween Town 2. No one sings. Yeah, they do the school dance and the whole thing, and they take over the town. It's wild. Yeah, but nobody sings. It's not like a musical, like like high school musical, but there's songs. Like a soundtrack, like most movies have? Right, but they have this whole fucking vocal... Po- what the fuck do you mean no one sings in a movie not related to the one we're talking about on this show? Why are you like this? What did you do to me? How did you make this happen? Jesus Christ! No one sings in Xenon. I don't know. Uh, actually, Protozoa sings in Xenon. I don't know who Marnie's parents are. Well, she doesn't have a dad. He's dead. Okay. I don't know anything about her mom or what her mom does, or nor do I care to go look at my notes for it. 
You know who's a slightly better set of parents? Troy Bolton's parents from High School Musical. I said slightly. I was like, Mr. Bolton sucks. He gets better, though. He has a redemption arc over the course of three fucking movies. Anyway, Xenon. Anyways. Xenon, apparently her parents suck. Her parents suck. Uh, now, at some point, a kid, I don't remember which kid, but I think it's one of her little cronies from the space station, mentions that if there is a all-world-famous boy band coming up to the space station, then someone is definitely getting rich off of that. Now, the girls in this group, they are just sort of being fangirly about the fact that the boy band's coming up, and that's all well and good. But it, I, I'm pretty sure it is one of the guys who goes, it's, someone's for sure getting rich off of this. It's the and code kid, the kid who has all the codes. I would very much like to point out that he is 100% correct, and they should acknowledge that he is correct. No one does anything that someone doesn't benefit from. Ever. I mean, Protozoa is probably getting paid a pretty penny, but it was probably kind of like, spoiler alert, it was probably kind of like uh, the promise that the Wyndham guy made to the space station because he knew he wasn't going to have to pay, write either of those checks. Yeah. So, probably that. Although, if Protozoa was a really good artist, he would have asked for that up front. Oh, facts. Uh, so, now we have a, a brief aside where Xenon wants to go at around 4 o'clock in the morning and do a little spacewalk with her homies. Uh, so To go see the solar flare. Sure, that, that is correct. So they illegally break into an access-only door and then gear Xenon up in a child-sized spacesuit because they have those. They probably would have to for safety in case, like, Something went down. Listen, there's no manual safety overrides on the launch doors or on the doors to the launch bay. So I'm calling bullshit on knowing in advance that they have good safety protocols. The, I don't think that can be real. Well, I mean, Wyndham is the funder for this project, so he probably doesn't care all that much about safety. Fair. Uh, none of Xenon's friends think it's a good idea to go on a spacewalk. They the all chicken flare. out. Uh, they are all also correct. It's incredibly dangerous to go on a spacewalk during a solar flare. Uh, and I don't remember where I learned that. Maybe it's because of the solar winds and they can really rock your shit. Uh, but none of her friends go out. She floats around for five minutes and then her dad rolls in, uh, retracts her, uh, she is in trouble, but not really. They just sort of chew her out a little bit, and then her mom puts on a stress hat. Uh, Which is the stupidest looking thing. It is thing. the silliest fucking stress hat. Out of this whole entire movie, that's like the stupidest thing, but I want one. Does it work? Like, what is it? Does it take away the stress? Because I will put one of those on. I'll wear one of those 24-7. So... <laughs> so... Her mom has to wear the stress hat. Uh, Xenon says, I can handle myself, I'm 13. And I just was like, all right, that's that's enough of that. That's pre-teens. I mean, it, th that was like a thing during that time, though, because like Marnie is 13 in Halloween Town, not to keep comparing the two, but I'm... 
Well, you sure, you sure you keep comparing the two. Well, but she goes, she's like, I'm not a child anymore. I'm 13. And I was like, Marnie, sit the fuck down. <laughs> like, both of them, both of you are children. You are children. I At 13, like, thinking back to who I was at 13, I was not an adult. You are, you oh, have no Lord. idea. Neither was I. No <laughs> shot. Um, so now we fast forward a little bit more to Wyndham and his goon have arrived on the ship and they're walking around and Xenon's parents have done their best to get Xenon to behave for this trip. Uh, she- and by that, I mean, they have asked her nicely if she would behave and she has relented slightly. To be fair, she does a really good job until she thinks she's, like, trying to do the greater good. Like, she doesn't cause any fucking trouble. Yeah, she doesn't do any she doesn't do any chicanery, uh, so she does listen a little bit. But the funniest thing, though, I think to me, is how the whole plot kicks off, really. Because Wyndham gets there, and he's talking to her, and the interaction's great, and then she sort of oversells it. And then... Wyndham carries on with the tour and she leaves. And from that moment on, Wyndham is public enemy number one to Xenon. I And there is not an actual inciting incident for her to be this mad about this guy. She's correct, but there's not a reason. I'm gonna vouch for Xenon here again. Um, because I get I get those vibes from people too. Like I could have one conversation with someone and be like, mm-mm. Nope. Don't know why. Don't like you. Like, something's wrong here. I, it's it's a thing. It's a, it's a thing that some people have. You just know. Do you ever just know, James? I mean, you can... Getting a vibe off of someone is well and good. I don't mind that. But if you're going to say that she gets this bad vibe from the guy, then... There should be a bigger deal about it. And they don't make a big deal about it. Maybe that's the point. That's a terrible way to tell your story then. Why? Because you're taking a person who is supposed to be a person and who doesn't have a lot going for them right now, if we're being honest, and you're turning them into some sort of superhuman vibe freak. I With no prior explanation... Like you don't even, maybe you don't even need to make a big deal about the moment where she gets the vibe. Maybe you just need to make a comment earlier about how she gets vibes about people. About how like I thought you were bad, but now we're best friends. But maybe the part of the story is that for a part of it, the audience also doesn't believe Xenon because there's not really anything to go on. I don't think they write the Disney Channel original movies with that deep of an intention. I think you should give the DCOMs a little bit of credit. Absolutely not. No. No shot. Does Kenny Ortega do it? No credit. I I need to rephrase. Does Kenny Ortega do it? Then it gets credit. So the Descendants movies are good. Sure. They're better than this one. So Xenon decides she's going to hang out in the place where Luke Skywalker almost got crushed to death. Um, which is a, uh, recycling bin, basically, uh, where she is looking for materials so that she can make the art submission to the contest to dance with Protozoa, um, on stage at the Microbe concert. To be fair, her and Nebula talk about, like, dumpster diving 
Right. It's a frequently. It's a habit they frequently do. It's just weird that she goes like, hmm, I'm mad, and then she's in a dumpster. Uh and it's it is rather funny because the way it's designed looks very, very similar to the trash compactor where Luke Skywalker and gang almost got crushed to death in the Death Star. Maybe they really just reused. Maybe they recycled I'm gonna throw, the set. I'm going to throw up and die on this podcast. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's some some o'clock in the morning, uh, and she is dumpster diving. She gets the material she wants, and then she's crawling up and out. And as she sticks her head out of this access hatch, uh, she sees Wyndham's crony commit the first act of no goodery, uh, in which he is attempting to access a... Uh, uh, security clearance for room, which is the computer memory mainframe. Uh, and as he's going to enter, Xenon makes a series of critical errors. She makes a noise, which draws his attention over towards that part of the hallway, which is very well lit, and he could very clearly see a girl half in and half out, uh, but for some reason doesn't see her. Okay, we'll let that slide. And then, as she's standing there on a ladder with most of her bottom half still in the chute, she falls forward and out into the hallway, completing a full somersault, dragging trash with her, besides the stuff that she was already taking for her materials, and falls in a heap into the hallway. And I... How? What? No. How? What? How do you fall over a wall that you are up to your hips against with the majority of your body weight and body itself still like standing on a ladder and you're holding open a door? How do you fall all the way forward and somersault and drag trash with you? I don't. It doesn't make sense. It's the most bullshit of bullshit things that happens in the movie. On the bright side, from here on out, it only gets better. So, she falls into the ship. Uh, oh, my notes reset. Fuck. Okay. Falls into the ship and then uh, gets into a little verbal joust with this guy about being out late at night. And she would like an escort back towards the sleeping areas of the ship. Uh, and he gestures for her to go and she takes his arm and says, thank you. And then they just have to go. Uh, he does not gain access to the place he wants to go. Then, Xenon does what every child ought to do, um, and she gets no credit for anything. Uh, very clearly, she has Boy Who Has Cried Wolf too many times. Uh, and she is blatantly and completely ignored by every adult for the rest of the movie about anything that's wrong. Uh... Except her Aunt Judy. Yeah, but also her Aunt Judy directly leads to more tension in the third act. True. By not being smart at all in any way, and therefore not having listened when her niece was talking about stuff. Um, and Xenon, rightfully, by the end of the movie, just completely carves out the idea that you should rely on adults for anything. I mean, words we would use to describe Aunt Judy, I don't think smart is one of them. So. I mean, she has to have done something pretty smart to have that nice of a house. Right? Maybe so, her sister pays for it. Maybe. Um, 
the following morning, she can't stay awake in class and falls over in the middle of class. Uh, and then we cut to the hallway uh, where she has a conversation with her friends. And then she has a stare down in slow motion, but it's 1999 slow motion. So it's really just frames dragged out longer. Uh, and it's just it's funny to me uh, to think of how much technology has advanced in 20 years, 30 years. Uh, so the stare down goes for all of the sometime and we get the first of a few nods towards what the actual problem is in that, uh, Mr. What's his fucking ass, uh, Wideman, Wademan, what the fuck? Windham? Yeah, that guy, Windham. Fucking, I don't know anybody's character names. You know Xenon. Yeah, that's important. Uh, Windham winks at her. Which he will do three or four more times throughout the movie. He does give creepy vibes. Oh, I will super say creepy. that. Listen, I'm not saying Xenon is wrong about all, hardly anything. But the movie does not... The movie does too many things for how long it is. And so you shortchange your ability to tell the story more effectively to a wider audience by not explaining how she got the vibe to begin with, when you could have had him give that wink before, which he did not do in the hallway with her parents, resulting in her getting a bad vibe. That would have been enough. But they didn't do that. The problem is not with the story itself. The problem is with trying to make the story condense to fit a hour and a half block of time to slot into Disney Channel programming. So you think if the movie had been longer? If would... you give this movie 15 extra minutes of runtime, I think you can solve three or four of the plot problems with ease. Uh, so from there, I just have notes that don't tell me anything. Xenon uh, wins the Xenon wins the thing. She wins the contest, so she gets to dance with Protozoa when they come up for the concert. Woohoo, everyone's happy for her. Yay, hooray. Of course, the main character won. Uh, there's a bunch more foreshadowing that's really, really on the nose about how Xenon's going to fuck it all up, and there's more tension that's soon to come. Uh, and then she gets... Uh, she gets her homie, whose dad has the codes, to give her the access code to that door that the guy was trying to break into earlier. Writes it down in her hand and plants herself in this room. As a canonic handwriter, I'm just going to tell you, if you have to write something on your hand, write it on the top of your hand or on your arm, somewhere you're not going to sweat as much. That's my, that's my only thing. So... She's hiding in the computer room, right? She's hiding in there, and this guy does his little code, gets into the room, and he's making his way to the computer, starts tippity-tapping away, and Xenon is hiding underneath a bulkhead or something and can see through a little grate and bumps her head on the grate uh, because she's still got her giant pigtails up on top of her head like a dumbass. Her, spa her space buns? Yeah. Her space ones. I actually make a comment about the wardrobe doing a really good job with her hair later when she's on Earth because they do it differently when she's on Earth. 
Um, and it's a slow adjustment too. And it, yeah, it inspires character growth. This movie's really not all that bad. It's just too much. There's too much good ideas for plot that's being shoved into too small of a time frame. I will say, should we ever watch the sequel, which is what it's called, uh-huh. um, they do grant you that. They give you they like give an you extra time. 15 minutes. Terrific. I think this movie could have been a two-hour movie. It could have been. It would have been a boring two-hour movie, but it could have been. Um, it's also geared for kids, so it's really not up my alley. Yeah, you really have to also like think about attention spans. And- yeah. So she bonks her head, guy looks, doesn't see anything, carries on his merry way. What he does is he opens up the computer, puts a little disc in there, it goes in, it pops back out, he takes it, and he leaves. And as he gets out of the door, he checks behind him to see if anyone's looking, and he very surreptitiously tucks his hand into his breast pocket on his jacket. But what he doesn't do is anything a normal person with normal hands would do. Uh, And that's not to say his hands are weird. He's got normal people hands. It's It's really forced. One of the worst fucking mishaps of bad acting and bad direction I ever did see. And he tucks his hand in and fumbles the thing onto the ground. It makes a noise in the dead silent space hallway that no one else is in, he doesn't hear that, doesn't notice it's not in his pocket or in his hand anymore, and carries on like he has it in his pocket. And doesn't notice for some time, like until he sees it later. Yeah, he like, he just, I don't know if he thought it was missing or what, I don't know what happened, but he drops it and it lives there on the floor now. Um... And we sit there, and this is one thing I give it credit for. I don't, at the time, I did not understand what was nefarious about what he did. Because they don't, they really give you a slow burn of the plot in this movie. They don't reveal things too early. They just force events to happen too fast. So, on the one hand, that's really great. They don't reveal stuff too early. I mean, yeah, the foreshadowing is as on the nose as it gets, but it's not foreshadowing about obvious things that can happen. It's foreshadowing about, oh, just something problematic is coming. And Xenon's going to do something that's going to be problematic later. That's all the foreshadowing you get. And while it's really heavy and really obnoxious, it's not overtly plot revealing. So that's good. Downside, when you'd spend all your time showboating your... Uh, foreshadowing, you have to cram down your plots and points of contention, such as dropping your little pin into your pocket successfully. They really fucked that up. So, uh, now Xenon's alone in the computer room. She doesn't know what the fuck he did. All she knows is she's got to get out of here. Uh, and I guess she was really super fucking nervous because she goes to look at her hand to read the code and in a gag that is executed much, much better in an Oceans movie, uh, she does not have the code anymore. And actually, she remembers the first three digits of it. I'm surprised. Which is 135. I'm surprised you knew what they were. because Well, I, I, I watched her write it on her hand, and I was like, that's going to be important later. I, like Xenon, couldn't tell you. <laughs> so she guesses the first three numbers correctly and then fucks it up. And as soon as you fuck it up one time, it's alarms and all this stuff. Which is good security, that I will is great say. Security. They don't let you, like, it's not like a 
three times and you're locked out thing. It's like a... The only way it could be better is if the password changes every hour on the hour. Probably isn't that frequent, but I imagine it changes enough because that kid has like a tablet that he has to hack into to get the codes to give to Xenon, so... So, eventually she gets caught in there. Uh, there's a whole big to-do. The captain uh, does some parenting, but he's not her parent, so it's really grossly inappropriate. Her parents... Uh, I think it's like a vill- it takes a village to raise a child on the space station. That's the vibes it gets. Well, the vibes are that you should have more social aspects to life other than a group of scientists and their seven children on the space station. Maybe you should have like people who are there solely for entertainment or like, I don't know, other things that you need in life other than work and food. Like, boy, and the space station is fucking ginormous. So you've got space for them. And they have a weird like spiral staircase apartment that they live in. So that's two stories of living space. I mean, you can do it. Like what? Like what would you like them to have? Because they they talk about how they get to like watch like holograms and like movie screens and stuff like that give them fucking i mean that's all fine and good give them like live performances like you know how we have entertainment on cruise ships yeah we have like bands that will play and you've got places to go where you can watch a show you can see a comedian do a set like do that and just cycle the people that you have on for entertainment out with each supply run i think they're getting to that. Like, I don't think it was, first of all, I don't think the nerds were thinking about that when they went up there to do their experiments. Um, and also, like, this is, as far as, like... They've been up there eight years. No. Yes. Longer. Xenon's been up there eight years. Yeah, Xenon's been up there eight years, but the space station has exist for 27. But if we're talking about in the grand scheme of, like, living situations and, like experimental type things that's not that long like for them to like decide is this working what do we need what do we not need and i'm betting there's some places that we don't see on there like a track like there's probably like uh, well xenon mentions they have a they gym they have a gym and stuff like that so i don't know there's a lot of stuff that you don't get to see that would help under that would help you in the world building of the place but it's a disney channel movie so it's not like they have the budget for that Shit. Um, yeah, most Disney Channel things take place in, like, horror locations. Xenon is then grounded, but extra, more terrible version of grounding. In She's that literally she grounded. Banished to Earth. Have you ever gotten so angry at your kid you sent them to live on another country? So, she's sent down... With the next shuttle that goes down, um, on which are the Fancy Pants Budget Man and his goon. I will never remember his fucking name. Wyndham. Yeah, okay. I don't know his goon's name. Uh, Sutz? Lutz? 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 Fucking... Something. Jackass? Uh, The smarmiest guy that they could cast? He's not the smarmiest guy. They could have cast a famous smarmy guy. They casted a guy who looks like a smarmy guy, but... He's just like a dude. Um, so they go back down to Earth. Xenon is not been on Earth in eight years and doesn't doesn't gravity well. Uh, 
And sneezes immediately. And sneezes immediately because she's also a uh, germaphobe. Now, it's important to note that Xenon is the product of her environment. Her mother is such a fucking asshole. Because all her mom ever did was talk shit about how bad Earth is to her. That's all the character development we get. Her mom is a workaholic who only ever told Xenon horrible, awful, terrible stories about how bad Earth is, okay? Thusly, Xenon's perception of what Earth is like is seriously warped. She is convinced it is a cesspool of crime and death everywhere you look in terms of nature. Breathing the air is toxic. Drinking the water will kill you. Is she wrong? Is she wrong? She survives on the planet for multiple days in relative comfort and then gets to kiss a boy. I would like to talk about a couple things here. One, you also forgot that Nebula, which is a key point in the plot, gives her a very special going away present. Oh, yeah, the kid found the memory disc thing, but it doesn't matter. Um, Nebula makes, Nebula, Xenon's best friend, makes her an earring out of the disc that Nebula finds on the ground, happenstancely. My notes are out of order, my bad. Um, and also, uh, things that would not actually work for Xenon. Xenon would be very sick upon eating Earth food. Oh, yeah. Because she talks about how there's no preservatives in their food. They don't really eat meat. And there's no, like, dirt or, like, artificial coloring or anything. So eating any food on Earth would make her immediately ill. It'd be like going back in time and feeding somebody, like, anything from this era. Yep. They would just get instantly sick. Yep. Uh, her eyes, she would need to wear sunglasses for, like, the first couple days because, like I said earlier, the space station dark as fuck and the sun is bright as hell. Um, her muscles would be a little bit weaker than they are. Which she, she does she a good show. A, yeah, she does she, a good show of showing that she can't even carry her fucking bags successfully now that she's on Earth. And as far as, yeah, breathing the air... Imagine only breathing, like, filtered oxygen and, like, the purest oxygen because they literally have to grow their own oxygen. So there's not smog. There's not pollen. There's not anything that we produce here on this planet in the air. I, like, sending Xenon to Earth without, like, appropriately preparing her body is like a death sentence. So I will agree with James in that regard that her parents are awful because that's... It's literally a death sentence for her in terms of reality. Like, she would she would die. There's no way she would survive. She'd be in the hospital. But that is probably all the time we have on part one. We'll stop there with Xenon getting to yeah. Earth. Yeah. Um, And it is now time for us to have our live audience vote, which is something I haven't mentioned recently, so I'll put at the end of this episode here. If you do tune in to us live, um, and the best way to know when those are is to follow us on social media, but we try to do them bi-weekly. If you do tune in to us live, uh, you get to vote on what movie we watch next. So just a little food for thought. But 
Until next time, bye.